I'm glad you found your way to the Your Vet Wants You to Know podcast for more information about how to care for your pet. The show is designed to be educational and entertaining, but not to give a specific diagnosis or treatment for your animal. That job belongs to your veterinarian who knows your pet and wants to talk to you about what's going on with them. I'm here to be a resource only. Thanks and enjoy the show. As a curious pet owner, have you ever taken to the internet for more information? Maybe you want to know why your pet is itchy and what you can do about it. Maybe you're frustrated about the ear infections. Maybe you're looking for ways to make veterinary care more affordable. Instead of wading through a sea of information that may not be reliable and in some cases may be harmful, here is what your vet wants you to know. I'm Dr. Brittany Lancelotti, board certified veterinary dermatology specialist. Join me to get the information you're looking for to care for your pet. If you're curious about your pet, then your vet wants you to know. Welcome everyone to today's episode of Your Vet Wants You to Know. I am joined today by board certified veterinary dentist and oral surgeon, Dr. Amy Thompson, who is going to be talking about some information that I know is important to many pet owners out there, and that is the health of their pet's teeth and mouth. There's a lot of information floating around the internet. You may have gotten some information from your family veterinarian about taking care of your pet's teeth, but Dr. Thompson is going to be explaining a lot of of information that I think will be really helpful in kind of understanding risks, benefits, what it is that we're trying to do when we want to take care of your pet's mouth. I'm very excited that she's joining me today. She was previously on an episode all about toothbrushing, so you can go back and listen to that if you want to help take care of your pet's teeth as well. Thank you very much for joining us today, Dr. Thompson. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be back. Two of my favorite topics to talk about. So I'm really thrilled to get to delve into this topic with you. Yeah. Last time you were here, you gave us so much good information. And I know that there have been people that have listened to that episode and that have incorporated those tips into brushing their pet's teeth. So thank you so much for sharing your time there and for agreeing to come back again. Can you tell the listeners a little bit about your background and what it is that you're passionate about? Absolutely. So they call me Toothy Thompson. (laughs) That started many, many years ago when I was a family veterinarian. The more I learned about dentistry and oral care, the more I realized I needed to learn. And then the more I implemented those practices, the more that I saw the benefit and the changes for positive. So not always were we seeing the negatives of oral disease, but we definitely were seeing the improvements with the positive. And so after a few years, I decided that teeth and mouths were it for me. That's all I wanted to do. So it was a bittersweet transition out of family practice into doing a residency. And so now I exclusively do dentistry and oral surgery, so focus on MELS. And since completing my residency, I have for the last almost three years been working side by side with family veterinarians, offering advanced care for their patients, their pets, and providing education on all things teeth. 
Yeah, your education is absolutely invaluable. You have an amazing social media site where you teach veterinary professionals about all aspects of dental care, and you're an active participant in VetHive, which is a veterinary support community for veterinarians and technicians. And I love learning from you because you have so much information about how to care for teeth and for the mouth in general. So I'm so thankful for you coming on and sharing that knowledge today. Oh, thank you so much. Truly, dentistry and oral care is a passion. And I really do think that the education portion of it, mostly targeted towards veterinary professionals and those teams, but definitely out there for owners as well, has really kind of been my purpose of sharing that information because I too have been in the situation where you know, I'm, I'm meeting with pet owners and knowing that there's just so much, it's just vast the amount of knowledge that we expect our family veterinarians to have. And so I want to be able to arm them with this information to be helpful and get that out to their pet parents. So let's talk a little bit about today's topic. And, you know, there's some confusion around basic terminology. And when we first started kind of brainstorming this, we wanted to talk about a term called cohat, which I'll let you go into a little bit more, but most owners might be familiar with the term dental. So I want to kind of give you the opportunity to explain the difference between a cohat and a dental and kind of establish some terms for pet owners to understand before we talk a little bit more. Yeah, absolutely. So I was initially taught and trained to talk about dentals. And I just find that term is is just inappropriate. It's not all encompassing of what we want to be using when we're talking to pet parents and making the recommendations. So the term COHAT, uh, it's a bit of a mouthful, thus the acronym, but COHAT stands for Comprehensive Oral Health Assessment and Treatments. So obviously not something that you want to be using uh, regularly. COHAT's a lot nicer, but the problem with that is, is that a lot of pet parents and even some veterinary professionals aren't familiar with that term. And so the reason we use cohat instead of dental is because there's so much involved in this procedure and making sure that we're really being comprehensive. So we're taking that opportunity to get a deep look at all of the oral tissues, not just the teeth. And in part of that is dental radiography, because we can only see half of the tooth. And unlike you and I, we can't ask our patients, is it tender here? Does it hurt here? Is there a certain area that's bothering you? So we have to use our diagnostic. So a cohat is truly a tooth by tooth exam. It is full mouth x-rays. It is cleaning. And then it is making a treatment plan based on what we're finding in that mouth. Yeah. So there's a lot more that goes into a cohat than just a dental cleaning. And so I think that's a, a great opportunity today for us to explain a little bit more the value in this procedure in taking care of the animal's mouth. I know that you have worked with tons of patients over the years and you have lots of different stories. Do you have one in particular that comes to your mind when you think about just how important cohats are? Yeah, so I have many, many stories, as you might imagine, after an over 10-year career focusing on oral health. The one that really comes to mind is both recent and really highlights what we're trying to focus on and educate on in this podcast episode. And so I saw Zoe a couple of months ago. 
And she was not coming to see me for a cohat. She was actually coming to see me for a fractured tooth, which is always quite sad. And unfortunately, I see all too commonly because there are a lot of toys and treats out there that are too hard and cause damage. But that's a completely different episode. So she was coming to see me for this fractured tooth. And after discussing with the owner and examining the mouth and then following up with a full cohat, that tooth was not a good candidate for root canal treatment to preserve the function of this tooth. So we did need to extract. However, what was the most enlightening and for me, heartbreaking was to come to the realization that Zoe was not coming to see me for a cohat because she had had a cosmetic cleaning just a month or two ago. And it was after that, that the tooth fracture happened. And during my full assessment, I actually found nine teeth that were diseased enough that they actually required extraction in addition to the fractured tooth. So we had to remove the fractured tooth as well as these nine other significantly diseased teeth. Wow. This kind of highlights the fact that you know, she had received dental care or what the owner thought was dental care. But then when you looked further and really looked at everything that was involved, including taking those x-rays while she was under anesthesia, there was a lot more problems that you couldn't see at the surface. Absolutely. Yes. I think that fear of risks of anesthesia are a major reason why pet owners will avoid having a cohat performed. And I talk a lot about risk versus benefit on this show because I think that's how we make a lot of our decisions in veterinary medicine. What is the benefit that this procedure or treatment may provide? And, you know, a lot of pet owners may be considering doing a non anesthetic dental cleaning because of either the risk of anesthesia or the cost of a full dental assessment and cleaning and treatment. Tell me a little bit about these non-anesthetic treatments that are available. Absolutely. I mean, if I'm speaking quite frankly, I'm upset and heartbroken that the fear that owners have with anesthesia, I truly believe is being capitalized on of offering something that is truly cosmetic and has zero health benefit as an alternative to something that is truly going to benefit their pet's health. And so it really, really upsets me. Um, I get all of these different companies that have been developed and I see them popping up everywhere all over the internet and social media about these cleanings showing before and afters and you know how great the breath smells and while that's all fine and well there's no health benefit to that and it's just upsetting because anesthesia is absolutely not a benign therapy there are risks however I feel that we need to explore those risks. And I can honestly say that the risk of anesthesia has only outweighed the benefit of a complete cohat in less than a handful of my patients in a 10-year career. Yeah. I mean, there's a risk, but we do things to minimize risks associated with anesthesia. And I I think these non-anesthetic dentals, you know, they're cosmetic, so it makes the teeth look better, but the disease is still there. And then you wind up with animals that get fractured teeth, with severe disease, with oral pain. And there's a lot more that's going on underneath the surface that can only be assessed when the animal is under anesthesia and when we're doing those dental radiographs. Absolutely. And so if we just talk talk about briefly statistics, it's one in 10,000 pets will have a adverse reaction 
and possibly a cardiac arrest. And while I know if your pet is that one, it doesn't matter about the 9,999. However, that said, I think as long as we can have open communication with our family veterinarian, or if your pet has an increased risk, like say renal disease or cardiac disease, there are options to see a specialist like myself, who oftentimes is going to be quicker so we can have a shorter anesthetic. And we can often work with a cardiologist and anesthesiologist to alter the treatment plan and also be on the ready to help if there are any issues. In my career, I've only had two cardiac arrests and only one patient that we did not recover. And that patient was not coming to see me for a cohab. That patient had sustained significant maxillofacial trauma. So, I mean, it still haunts me. I never want to lose a patient. I just want to be very forthcoming that, you know, anesthesia is not benign, but there are a lot of things that can be done both before, during, and after anesthesia to make that a safe procedure. Yeah, I think what you mentioned before is really important. So having a relationship with your family veterinarian where you feel comfortable having that conversation, okay, you know my pet, what are the risks of anesthesia in my particular pet situation? What is the benefit that I'm going to get out of doing this procedure? And talking to them about ways to minimize the risk. So that may include things like doing some blood work before anesthesia, doing some chest x-rays before anesthesia to see how the heart and lungs are looking and make sure that they're healthy enough to undergo the extra workload that anesthesia places on those organs, or even reaching out to a cardiologist for further assessment of the animal's heart function. So just opening the door to that conversation, that's going to go a long way towards making you feel more comfortable with the decision to do this procedure. Absolutely. I work very, very closely with many cardiologists because I would say at least maybe not half, but maybe 40% of my patients do have cardiac disease. And so they're being referred to me, maybe for the complexity of their pet's oral health. But more often than not, it's because of their what we call comorbidities or other diseases that they have that may make them at higher risk for anesthesia. And so there's a lot that can be done as far as the medications we use to sedate during the procedure to make it much lower risk and still get the benefit. So getting an actual health benefit from a cohab versus just cleaning up the surface and not really treating any disease or putting your pet in better oral health with these anesthetic free or in Ontario, they have to be called cosmetic cleanings. Oh, I love that they made them do that terminology. So it really, it should explain to people, you're not getting anything except something that looks pretty. Yeah, I think there's still some room for education and knowledge. But yeah, it was a Supreme Court ruling after there was a wide bulk of evidence of not just the lack of health benefit, but the risks associated with, you know, having instruments in there with an awake patient and lots of trauma and unfortunately injury that occurred. Yeah. And when these animals are awake, they get stressed out. And as a fear-free veterinary professional, it's really important to me to make sure that my animals have as minimal fear, anxiety, and stress when I'm working with them as possible. So I just can't imagine how 
anxious and afraid these animals are when they're having their teeth cleaned while they are wide awake. And that certainly does add a layer of health risk to it because the stress can create adverse reactions in the body as well. So I want to kind of shift back to what it is that we're doing when the animal is under anesthesia. And the American Animal Hospital Association kind of describes the essential steps of dental cleaning and therapy. Can you briefly go through some of those steps and how a veterinary team performs them when a pet is under anesthesia? Yeah, absolutely. So once we have your pet under anesthesia, we have an IV catheter. So if they run into trouble, uh, we can give medications immediately. We're also giving them intravenous fluids to support blood pressure. We're monitoring that blood pressure. We're monitoring their heart rate, their respiratory rate, oxygen levels, blood pressure, you know, you name it, we're checking on all of these things. And then they have a breathing tube that is going to secure their airway and provide them with oxygen and anesthetic to keep them sleeping. And so given that they are sleeping and they are perfectly still, we can do a cleaning. So remove all of the plaque and calculus on the crowns or surface of the teeth. And then we can do a tooth by tooth exam. So just like you and I, when we go to the dentist, we want to probe and feel for any abnormal pockets, any potential tooth resorption or decay on the crowns of the teeth. So removing all that plaque and calculus first allows us to get a really good look, even though we can see the crowns of the teeth when they're awake, we can't get a great look because they're moving and we don't have magnification and we can't probe around the tooth. And then we'll do full mouth x-rays. And so that tooth by tooth exam and those x-rays, I pair together. So each pet, whether it's a cat, there are 30. And if it's a dog, they have 42 tiny little patients. And so each patient in that mouth (laughs) is going to get a treatment plan based on what I can see on oral exam and on x-rays. And then at that point, we can talk to the owner about, okay, it is the teeth we were worried about, or more often than not, wow, I found these other things, this is what we need to do, um, and then get consent for that. And then the great thing is that we can move straight from diagnostics into treatment. So I think it's important for owners to really make sure they know when their veterinarian is going to be reaching out to them so that they're available to talk to the vet while the animal's under anesthesia and give the okay to move forward with the treatment plan. And as far as cost associated with this, the cost may be very different once you get in there and see exactly how bad the disease is. Correct. So an awake oral assessment is really important and can help us, you know, focus on where we think the problems are. But there's been lots of studies to show whether it's, you know, a pet owner, a family veterinarian, or someone who has a specialty and has been doing it for 30 years. Our awake oral assessment is only about 60 to 70% accurate with what we'll truly find. And there's lots of literature to say that, you know, over 80% of cats and dogs, we will find the disease is either worse than what we thought, or we'll find another tooth or teeth that are disease that we couldn't appreciate when they're awake. So more often than not, we're finding more disease, but it can also go the other way uh, because periodontal disease is really dependent on how our pets respond to plaque and calculus. Some pets will have a lot of plaque and calculus and not a lot of progression of disease or bone loss, whereas other pets will have minimal plaque and calculus. So it seems not too bad on the surface, but because their body responds differently, they can have pretty significant disease, which is why the tooth by tooth exam and full mouth x-rays are so critical. 
What would you say you would recommend in terms of frequency for this particular procedure in regards to cats, dogs, big dogs, little dogs? Is there kind of an average overall as far as how often you would recommend a cohat be performed or is it really variable between each pet? Yeah, so it definitely is going to depend on each individual pet. I always put it back to us. So we brush a couple times a day. We go to see our dentist anywhere from every six months to every 12 months. So ideally, from an oral health standpoint, it would be once a year. Now, dogs and or cats that have specific conditions or a more exaggerated response to plaque and calcus, I will see them sooner. So some patients that have specific diseases, I might see them every four to six months. Um, Like you mentioned, larger breed dogs, sometimes we'll push that out to 18 months because we don't get as much tissue breakdown or if we get a bit of tissue breakdown it isn't what I call catastrophic so a millimeter of bone loss in a large lab is concerning because it is disease but it's not going to put us in a spot where we need to extract that tooth but a millimeter of bone loss in a little chihuahua that's going to be an issue and so well, some owners will go, whoa, every year, that's a huge expense. And I appreciate that. Mm-hmm. My focus is to keep your pet as healthy as possible. And I would like to see them. And I know your family veterinarian would like to see them when we don't need to extract teeth, when the treatment is the cleaning of both the crown that we can see, but more importantly, underneath the gum line. So the goal is to find that sweet spot where we can see them at stage one out of four disease with which nerd alert, I think is incredibly cool because it's the only disease stage that we can actually reverse with a cohat. I think that's, that's pretty awesome. darn cool. <laughs> yeah. And, so, and that's something that can potentially save the owner money in the long run absolutely. is if they're providing more of that prophylactic or preventative care rather than reactionary when the pet's teeth get really, really bad. And all of a sudden you're having to remove multiple teeth from the animal's mouth. Yeah, absolutely. So prophylactic care is something we use very commonly. I tend to not use that term for the reason that stage one periodontal disease is once we have plaque and calculus that has led to gingivitis or inflammation of the gums. And so I think it's important to communicate with owners and that owners understand that we don't need to see mobile teeth or deep pocketing or root exposure to have disease. As soon as those gums are inflamed, that's considered disease. And so Mm -hmm. doing a cleaning is actually not preventing the disease. It's treating it before it gets worse. And the great thing about catching it in this stage one is that we can reverse it, which again, I just... I think that's so cool. I mean, rarely do we get to reverse disease. We manage it or slow it down. But here's an opportunity we have to truly reverse it, to do that deep cleaning, to remove the gingivitis or gum inflammation and basically reset to zero. I mean, that gets me really excited, as you can tell. That's awesome. I love how enthusiastic you are about this topic. It just makes me so happy. Now, I know you talk about this all day, every day to all of the pet owners that come to see you. What are some of the most common questions that you get in regards to this procedure? I mean, a lot of the questions I get do 
come around anesthesia. And I am pretty honest that no, absolutely. What I do uh, and what your family veterinarian does as part of a cohort cannot be done in an awake patient. I mean, just think of the idea of, you know, when you go get x-rays yourself and you have to hold that in your mouth. I mean, there's no way even the best behaved cat or dog is not going to sit with that in there. And we don't want them to, like you said, we don't want this to be a fearful experience. And we're doing things that, you know, they don't have in their day-to-day life. So, you know, they're going to be stressed. So we can't take x-rays. We can't probe, you know, four to eight spots around the tooth. We can't clean below the gum line effectively. And it's dangerous because these instruments are sharp. So I will say, you know, I appreciate and definitely understand where pet parents are coming from. I mean, every time, you know, my little raisin nose, um, who's no longer with us, I mean, she would get cohets every six to nine months. And every time I was anxious, and I anesthetize probably four patients a day, it's different when it's your pet, you know, it is, Mm -hmm. it is stressful. And I understand that. And I know that the benefit she is going to get from actually truly treating that early stage disease is going to be off the charts as far as comparing to the risk of anesthesia. So that's a big question I certainly got when I was in general practice was, can we just do it without the x-rays? Because, you know, everything does add up. And I want to fully acknowledge that this is not an inexpensive treatment. However, it is very much worth it. And so for me, it's a non-negotiable because for me, if we're not taking those x-rays, we're not doing comprehensive care. We're missing. In most patients, we're going to miss something. Any other common questions that people will ask regarding the COHAP procedure? I find those are the big ones. It's definitely not an inexpensive procedure. So the best way we can reduce the cost is reduce the amount of time under anesthesia, which also alleviates the stress for a lot of owners. And so that for me is why it's so important. The other topic I like to talk about is home care. So toothbrushing, mm-hmm. so reducing that plaque and calculus buildup, because it is that biofilm that our body our pets bodies are reacting to and having an inflammatory response to. So if owners can do plaque control 364 days a year, I can do the one day a year. <laughs> yeah, and I'm going to direct pet owners to listen to episode 30 on toothbrushing. You did a great job of explaining how owners can do this in a really easy way and the benefits of toothbrushing. So I would encourage everyone who's listening to go back and listen to episode 30 so that you can kind of help to provide your pet with good oral health care at home in between these dental procedures. I want to give you the opportunity to touch on some of those big takeaway points. What do you think is most important for pet owners to take away? I want pet owners to know that There's no shame in exploring these anesthesia-free or in Ontario cosmetic cleanings because I know that every pet owner I've met wants the best for their pet. That's never what's in question. And one thing I often will share with owners is that I'm a dentist. I focus on the mouths. I leave all the other hard stuff to other specialists like yourself and family veterinarians. However, I know that my patients are not just walking mouths. So if they are running into issues under anesthesia, we can stop the anesthetic and regroup about what can be done differently in the future. So I hope that this will give you the comfort to know that having this dialogue with your family veterinarian 
and talking about a full cohort is something that's going to be really helpful. And I don't know a single veterinarian that wouldn't want to work with you. You know, maybe it's not in the cards right now, but let's focus on saving for that and making that a priority. And the great thing is, is once they have a cohort, if we do a thorough assessment and treatment and we remove all the disease, then we can start at zero and then we can implement toothbrushing and other things so that in the future, we're not dealing with such a large expense and such a large time under anesthesia. Yeah, those are great tips. I think that's a great conversation starter for pet owners with their family veterinarian. And many family veterinarians are comfortable managing pets with dental disease, but a link to find a veterinary dentist near you will be posted on the website under the resources tab if you'd like to consult with a specialist. So you can visit www.yourvetwantsyoutoknow.com to get some more information if you want to work with someone. You can also see a full transcript and some pictures and videos on the website. But we also have a Facebook group, Your Vet Wants You to Know, and you can join there if you have experience with anesthetic versus non-anesthetic dentals, and that would be a great resource for you as far as talking to other pet owners in the community. Dr. Thompson, if pet owners want to get some more information from you, where is a good place for them to find you? Oh, yeah. Great. Thank you. So I am toothy.thompson on Instagram. I share a lot of content guided towards veterinary professionals, so veterinarians, technicians, assistants. However, I'm very transparent. And so I think while it may not be specifically directed towards pet parents, it is information that I want pet parents to know about. So you're more than welcome to check me out there. And soon my website, toothythompson.ca, will have a lot more owner handouts and there'll be a section for owners. Right now it's guided towards towards uh, family veterinarians. I love your website. I think it's absolutely adorable and I can't wait to see more resources coming there because you just have such good information for the veterinary professionals and I think pet owners are going to benefit from all of your knowledge as well. So thank you very much for making that a priority in your professional career. Absolutely. Like I said, while I'm a veterinary dentist, I'm also a pet parent myself. And some family veterinarians may not discourage against anesthetic free cleanings because, you know, something's better than nothing. But I'm very, very confident in saying I would rather you do nothing than do something that gives us a false sense of health. Let's focus on saving up towards doing something that's truly going to impact the health and comfort of our pets. Yeah, absolutely. So I like to end each episode with a segment that I call scratching the itch. And it's designed to highlight something, whether it's a human interest story, a product or website, essentially anything that provides relief or just makes you feel good. Dr. Thompson, do you have a scratching the itch for our listeners today? I do. And um, I live in my toothy world. So I have to say that this is... um a conversation I had with a pet parent not too long ago after I'd seen both of their kitty cats. So I had two young cats. They were about a year and a half. Um, Tiger and Chadwick came in and they were referred to me because they had very significant gingivitis. Um, and there was concern that they might have a condition called stomatitis needing all of their teeth removed. Fortunately, that wasn't the case, um, but they had very significant gingivitis, which is at least stage one of periodontal disease. So they came in to see me. And unfortunately, once we got in there, we found even at a young age of only about a year and a half, they both needed quite a few extractions because the disease was actually more like stage three and four out of four. And so we treated them up, they went home and I saw them back for the recheck as I always like to kind of see how everyone's doing. And the owner was like, you are not going to believe this. Poor Tigger has, they've always thought he was timid and shy. 
And since he had his cohort with extractions, he is prancing through the house, coming to see visitors when they come to the house. He is not being bossed around by his little brother and he is holding his own at the food dish. And so it was just <laughs> such an amazing realization of, you know, kitty cats specifically and definitely dogs too are way more stoic <laughs> and tougher, mm-hmm. I like to say, uh, than we are. And so it's very, very common that that's the experience that pet owners have is they rarely see oral pain signs. I mean, when they do, it's, it's significant, but it's when we remove the disease that we can really see such a positive change. And so that would just really melted my heart. And that's probably why I've ended up being where I am is because I was hearing that story over and over again as a family veterinarian focusing on dentistry. And it just makes me so happy that we're able to provide that comfort. Yeah, I love that so much. When you treat an animal's condition and then the owner actually sees their true personality come through Mm -hmm. because so much of that pain and discomfort is hidden just because they don't know what else to do with it. They'll hide their discomfort. And when they finally feel better, it's like, okay, I can be myself again. Um, I just, I love that that changed their life. I think that's fantastic and really makes us feel good about doing our jobs. Oh, absolutely. It's so reassuring. And, and it's just one of those things. It's like the owner was like, you know, felt bad. And I was like, whoa, 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 this is not about you feeling bad. I mean, your cat wasn't showing you you were in discomfort because a lot of pet parents think, oh, if their mouth is painful, they'll stop eating. And our job as veterinarians is to advocate for pets and say, no, 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 we don't always see them stop eating. I mean, sometimes we will, but I always relate it back to when I had a toothache and I complained to anyone that would listen, but I still (laughs) ate and drank and I still went to work and I still used the potty. And so I, you know, relate that back to, to kids cats is they can't tell us that they're painful. And if they stop eating, then they have a sore mouth and they're hungry. So Mm -hmm. that's our job as veterinarians to make sure that we can communicate with pet parents. The other thing I want to let pet parents know is is when you take your pet in for a cohat, and we find more disease than what you thought, you should not feel guilty because you have your pet there and we're treating it now. Um, yep. And so I just want to remind pet parents that we're doing the best with the information we can. Um, and that's why I'm here. And that's why you're running this podcast is to give them more information so we can make the best decisions for our pets. Absolutely. And Dr. Thompson, thank you so much for coming on and sharing all this information. I hope pet owners feel a little bit more comfortable with talking to their family veterinarians about a cohat and doing this regular dental maintenance to keep the animal as healthy as possible. Absolutely. Thank you so, so much for having me. It's been a great time and glad to be able to share this information with pet parents. And for everyone out there listening, I look forward to your next visit with your vet wants you to know.